And so I was, I had a stereo in my car before I could drive. And what, how, how many years ago was that? Too many. Um, <laughs> 80. Oh my gosh. Probably. Did they, did they have cars? Back then? Was that, was that yeah, like 84, 83, 84. All right. And I was into audio before that. So, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a long, uh, a long sickness. <laughs> Mark, yeah. you were early. When was about what year was your? Ford? I started driving in '78, and okay. uh, had my first vehicle. It was a '74 Chevy Blazer. I got it late that year, and uh, yeah, first thing I did. I mean, I put in some Pioneer six by nine dual cones and the TSM two tweeters up on top of the dash. Nice. And I bought a $50 underdash eight track tape player that was just kind of mounted under the dash, obviously. And uh, that's what I had, you know, Led Zeppelin and the who and the stones and all that <laughs> stuff on my eight tracks. I mean, that, that was, it was a jamming system. Nice. Hmm. Nick, Nick, welcome. When, uh, wait, about what year did you start in car audio? 75. 76, something like that. I'm trying to remember. Oh. I think it's 76. No, All right. Stop thinking about it. I'm 16. Yep. Ignorant, stupid, didn't know any better. <laughs> oh, well. So what's changed? Take no shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not a damn thing. <laughs> we're, we're all that way. Here we all are in our 50s and 60s still talking about this stuff. So. <laughs> right. yeah. Hell, Mark and I are still working in the industry. I know, yeah. I'm working tomorrow, heading down to Oklahoma City for a, an event down there. I got, a, I got a web work. I got a WebEx to do tomorrow, and, and I've got something to do with the Canadians, and I'm like, it's going to be a fun Friday afternoon. Yeah. Nick, I don't even know how it's possible you get better looking when you get older, but I'm be honest with you, you're looking pretty damn good. <laughs> you know, Randy, you know, severe drinking affects your brain, brother. <laughs> so I'm just telling you. And and speaking of, um, here we go right here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I appreciate the kind words, brother. Thank you. Really did. I haven't seen you in forever, my man. I mean, it's it's probably been four or five years. I mean, Obviously, Facebook is one thing and social media is another, but I don't yeah. think we've actually put my peepers on you in a few years. Yeah, well, uh, nobody has in the last year plus, except for <laughs> that's, Doug. That's right. Here we got to remind people what we all look like. Cause, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the last live group of people next to Doug and Anjali that I've actually sat down and having a conversation with is probably Clifton back yeah. in May in Atlanta, you know, at, yeah. at the Harvard show. Yeah, yeah. Well, we better than that. Saw Nick in the vaccine line. Yep. <laughs> Doug and I were in the vaccine line Saturday yeah. afternoon. God bless him. Doug, hey, I think hey. the last time I seen you, um, honestly, I so was your car. I'm trying. I remember sitting in the the BMW, and I want to say maybe O four. It's either SVR or Kansas City. I, don't, I think Petraka's car. I took, it to there. I took it to Kansas City, which yeah, was, that was the last, it. Yep. That was the last time I showed it was Kansas City. Yeah, yep. I think that's the last time I've seen you. So, however many years that's been, that's the either last that time. Or I, I, I thought I saw you at a uh, 
Oh, there was a there was like a knowledge fest or something in Dallas. Oh yes, you're right. Um, because Floyd, Floyd Tool talked at that, and so I drove up to Dallas to say hi to him and a bunch of friends, and that was that was the last time I've seen a lot of people. That yeah. dude, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. That was the last yeah. time I've seen you. Or when did we, when did I um, meet y'all in Daytona, Nick? Oh gosh, because uh, I was in I was in Orlando for a conference. 2009, okay. eight, somewhere other, around there. Other than that, I've only been to, I only go to Pate's show and to the heat wave. And then when Clifton, <laughs> Clifton threw a show a mile and a half from the house, I had to go over and say hi at that. It'd be rude to, not to, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's a mile like, and a half, I like, can make it. How do I get he, Doug he do to that. come out? I know. Uh -huh. Pro show at Doug's house. That's, That's right. <laughs> now, now I, I will say this: if you come down for Texas Heat Wave, I always have a party at my house the Saturday night of the show. So there's a standing invite for that. So. You know, uh, that that's how I see most of the people in car audio these days is I have them over on, on that, that night. <laughs> so, He's got to throw Nick, a party. And Nick, I lied. I said that you look better now, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think Jeff Smith is no, I was, you know, way better looking about the damn day is Jeff Smith. I don't think he's aged a day. I think. I think no, he's gotten younger. Satan is, I think he's made a deal with Satan because I think he actually uh, getting younger. We, you know <laughs> the whole – the Jeff Smith time thing, it works over years as well. Not <laughs> Special effects. There's like, is it like reverse dog years for, for Jeff? Like, do you forward to his one? Yeah. Is that how this works? That's funny. Trust me, I've definitely gotten older. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, when do you, what year, around what year did you get into cardio? Um, I got into the industry. <laughs> I got into the industry August of 1990. Uh, my first competition was <clears throat> July 2. All right. Randy, what about you? Uh, um, it would have been 90. My first taste of car audio would have been 94. And my first show, it was a USAC show um, in my backyard, basically. It was, it, was a, it was a couple miles from my house. And I want to say my first USAC show going was probably 90, 95 or 96. Hmm. So, so called around 94-ish? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. 94 for me. And then from uh, getting my <clears throat> feet wet. And then uh, 90, 94, 95, somewhere in that time. Uh, for my first show, All that right. was it, man. One show, and I think I think everybody here can agree. I think once you get that, once you just experience it and walk on, you know, walk onto a parking lot, it's it's a, mm -hmm. a life changing event, man. Oh, yeah, it, it was. See the red you trophy know. in the background up here? <laughs> yeah, I just noticed that's that's my very first trophy. It was second place in Longview in '92. <laughs> that's <laughs> it's the only, only one. It's the only one I have at the house. The rest <laughs> yeah. of them are at the shop. But that one's here. So, <laughs> how about how about hearing George Reed tell you how bad your system sounds? That was interesting. You know, yeah, I enjoyed that immensely. <laughs> <laughs> the man who can't hear anything anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Judge, I George, yeah, actually, Mark, the first time you I ever met had George, George judge a vehicle using his handheld RTA only. Yeah, the first time I met him. 
Yeah. Well, it was in College Station. It was like 1982. Yeah. And Kyle Davis, my roommate, and I were driving around, and we went over. We were in College Station at A&M. We drove over to Brian to the car audio store to get some speakers. And in the parking lot across the street was a bunch of cars lined up, and we're like, what's going on over there? I said, oh, that's an SPL contest. We're like, what is that? And we go over there, and there's George with his handheld Radio Shack microphone thing yep. measuring cars in 1982. Yep. You know, <laughs> unbelievable. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that that was the very first time. And uh, yeah, you know, there's a there's an old saying, you know, about car audio. This is the only sport where you have to go. You spend eight hours cleaning your car, 25 hours tuning your car to spend. And the next six hours waiting in line for somebody to take five minutes to tell you how bad your shit sounds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and just keep coming back. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what it does? Well, but I think there's another layer to that because then you're going to spend a good weeks or months afterwards feeling really bad and butthurt about something. You know? so there's, there's like a wound a wound after that, that I think obviously lasts a lot longer than the show. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 could. Makes the, it makes the highs high though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it does. Oh. And you know, I mean, honestly, we all do it to make our cars sound better and to share that experience with other people. I mean, the shows, yeah, for me for about five or six years, the shows were it. I mean, the sound was just to get a score and then I, got real again and figure no it's about it's about the sound the score is just incidental and um it just sometimes you have to get back to the real world and say you know i don't care what the judge says i know what my car sounds like i just want to share it with people you know so one of the questions I, i'm, I'm going to pose and and i hope we get you know a few more of the, the the people on because i mean obviously we have a great group here but you know what was that um, that aha experience, whether it was in, in, in your own vehicle or um, that time when you sat in somebody else's car and you're like, either this is my utopia, this is my benchmark. I understand it now. Like this, this I, I, you know, I may not be there personally, but I at least have something to strive and shoot for. Um, you know, we'll go around, you know, with Doug, with Nick, uh, with Mark, with Jeff, you know, what, what was that for you guys? So mine's really easy. So I, I first started out getting exposed to people with six by nines and an amp, right? And I thought that was the aha moment. But then when I was 16, so I grew up in Arlington, Texas. And the big thing in Arlington was to go cruise Cooper Street. And so 16, get in my car, get my friend, and we're heading down Cooper Street for the first time. And I'm driving by and going the other direction is this hearse. And there's a spectrum analyzer in the window and it pulls yep. over to a car wash and I pulled up and I was like, well, um, there's a lot going on here. And that was Wayne Harris's hearse because he lived in Dallas, Fort Worth and would come over and cruise Cooper. So I saw that and he had an Apple II computer in there and some 24 inch woofers and all this stuff. And my imagination went crazy. You know, like, number one, how's he running an Apple II? I didn't care about the stereo. I want to know how the computer got in the <laughs> You know, and then then he had, you know, a, a, a home audio equalizer in the dashboard. Well, that doesn't run off at 12 volts. And, you know, there was all these things, you know, and I'd kind of see that. And then I would, you know, go to shows and see other cars. But 
you know, my first exposure literally went from six by nines and prefab boxes to seeing that hearse and going, okay, there's a lot of things you can do. I need a TV in the dashboard. You know, I need a video VCR in the car. I eventually did. You know, I need 24 inch woofers. Haven't had those yet. Um, but, you know, all these things. <laughs> give me time. Well, yeah, give me time. Um, one of these years. One, one of these years. Um, but, uh, um, you know, look, looking at all these different things, that was something that kind of triggered my thought process going, okay, this isn't just add a couple of speakers. You can really go off the rails. And my mind's kind of wired that way. If it's something that I think is really cool, I'll go right off the rails with it. You know, um, didn't have the budget at the time to, uh, to go after, but had the imagination to kind of like, okay, how do you do this? How do you run a computer? How do power supplies, you know, how does all this stuff work? And then, you know, would work and save up some money and go try it and light something on fire in my own car. Um, you know, but it was a great learning experience. You know, there was, there was, uh, all these shows I went to, I didn't know what I was doing. I never got trophies. I was, did horrible at them, but then I would figure out, okay, what makes it better? But also that's a really cool thing to do. And I'd get sidetracked by, you know, I want to have a, you know, a Nintendo in my car or a Sega Genesis or, or both, you know, and that was my, eventually I had that too, you know, but that was, that was kind of my thing. And I, I figured out the audio stuff along the way. Uh, Mr. Nick, what about yourself? You know, the very first time, Randy, is that what we're going for? Well, just the aha. What was that? That's so interesting. The, 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 the first time I would say that the, the thing that got made you go, well, now I need to think things differently or, or maybe I have a benchmark to strive for, uh, oh, you know, um, you know, I think the, the benchmark, the, 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 the aha moment, you know, it, it had been, you know, fun, you know, putting speakers in cars and amps in cars and six by nines. And like Doug said, you know, doing that, that routine. But I think the very first time that I went, you know what? There's there's something completely different and better out there is when I had the chance to listen to Kamura's Acura. The very first time I heard it. Really? Awesome. That I sat in that car and I went, okay, I get it. Yep. My car sounds like shit up against this. <laughs> and I have no business being in this. And I should probably go back to barbecuing or something like that. <laughs> um, and, and there was that aha moment. And there's another one. Um, it's when I was at, and this was at 90. When was, what was the first finals? I asked finals in Dallas, 95? 94. 94, Mark? Yeah. Okay. You know, Mark's forerunner at Thunder on Wheels also was an aha moment for me. Because Dale and I had an opportunity to sit in your forerunner. Oh, I remember that. 94 used with the Astrodome. Astrodome. Yeah, the Astrodome. Yeah. And I was like, for the love of God, listen to this. You know, the stereo wasn't in the truck, disappeared. And... And I was like, you know what? Yep. Wow. This thanks, person man. knows what the hell he's doing, and I don't, and I need to learn. And that's when we started talking and becoming friends. 
you know, and it was those two moments. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it was those two that I'm like, you know what? I would really like to have my vehicle sound something similar to this. And it's all Mark's fault. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and as the saying goes, here we are today. Uh, but it really was. Thanks. Know, and um, and it, it became a, kind of the, the benchmark, you know, um, it, it was the, was those two vehicles. And I know Dale will tell you the same thing. He just looked at me and he goes, I got to go home and, and tear the Thunderbird down and start all over again. Oh, God. Did that and he did. Fun. Yeah. And he did. Mr. Jeff, what about you, sir? What was that? What was that? Aha. What was whether, you know, whether it be something you got to listen to or something. What was that? What was that? You know, life altering, I mean, life altering in retrospect, but, you know, for, for our, for our love of the sport. So, so for me, I got my start like you and USAC, right? So yep. USAC shows were pretty plentiful where we were um, in Alabama um, when I first started doing competition stuff. And I had a basic system in my little Honda Civic. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing. And imaging never made sense to me. You know, tonally, I, I, you got it. You know, you knew when something was too bright, you know, <clears throat> things like that. And I had probably three or four USAC trophies at this point in time. Um, you worked at a shop, so you were automatically in pro, right? Yeah. So I'm, you know, pro, I think it was like 251 to 500. And three or four trophies at home, you know, I'm feeling good about myself, you know, and then I go to this uh, regional event. I've never been to a regional event before in Jackson, Mississippi. And there's three cars in my class and all of them have Alabama car tags. I'm like, why have I never seen these guys before? Who are these guys, right? I get third place, last place. But that wasn't a big deal. I got a trophy. So that's all that mattered. I got a trophy, right? But then the guy that worked with me goes, dude, you got beat by 120 points. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I never really thought about the point spread, right? And so I'm like, how is that even possible? And I recognized this one guy I'd seen before. And I walked over to him and I was like, hey, do you know this other guy that's in our class? And he goes, yeah, he's uh, he's from Montgomery. And I'm like, so who is he? He's like, uh, his name's Jeff also, but I don't know his last name. I'm like, okay, cool. So I walked over to the car. He was demoing to a couple of different people. And I stood around, saw his trunk. Trunk was beautiful trunk, you know, from Micah, the way it was back in the day. It's a big crunchy cue and two crunch amps in the back and big passive crossover. And I'm like, Okay, I know my car was different, fuzzy carpet, speckled paint, you know, everything in the back with some plexiglass, thought it was cool. And I didn't get to listen to the car at the show, but about a week later, I'm at the shop we worked at, and the car pulls in the parking lot. And I'm like, why is this guy in our shop, right? Who's, you know, who is this guy? Come to find out the guy's name is Jeff Riles, and he's the local crunch rep. We didn't sell crunch at our shop. So he comes in and I was like, dude, I introduced myself. I was like, I was at that show in Jackson, Mississippi, and you like crushed me. And he was like, you were in my class? Like, who are you? Right? Like, had no clue, no clue who I was. And I was like, do you mind if I listen to your car? And he was like, sure. 
and he takes me out to his car and he's pro zero to a hundred. And I'm like, you got a hundred Watts in this car, <laughs> two crunch fifties, right? <clears throat> sits me in his, sits me in his car and it's, my car sounds nothing like this. There was imaging, staging. I mean, and I'm like, you have how many speakers in your car? And he's pulling door panel grills off, he's pulling dash grills off. And it's just like I've I've wasted my life this last year. Like what what have, <laughs> what, what have I been doing, right? And we picked up crunch after that, right? We only did it for a little while. But that was one of those moments that you understood that there was a different level. Like you thought what you had been doing was killing it for your little area. But then once you saw someone else, and then Jeff turned me on to Iaska, he says, dude, if you really like this stuff, there's a whole nother group of people that don't really care so much about bass. They're more about the install and about how clean it sounds and imaging and all this stuff. And they really work the score sheet. And he goes, you should go over to Atlanta to the Hi-Fi Bias shows. There's tons of I ask events over there, and I'm like, hmm, okay. So went over there, met a whole other group of guys, and this is how I got introduced to Eldridge later on down the line with my guys in Aniston. I met this whole other group of guys, Scott Harris and all those guys, and wow. when I got introduced to Iaska, it was two more light bulbs going off because <laughs> it was everything I had learned from the group of guys I was reasoning with. It was loud plenty of bass but imaging staging and truly the competition side of things or just the audio side of things it was literally like like doug said you cruise around with your music loud it's clear but as far as where where we are now and what we do the competition side of it the imaging staging and the purity of everything it was a whole different ball game whole yeah. different ball game so so Scott, you're late uh, on the ad. Uh, the question was, you know, what was that aha moment early on? You know, that that thing that made you question what you did. Um, and Jeff just died right there. Uh, he's good. He's good. Uh, we're good. Um, what was that aha moment? Whether it was an install, whether it was a system, whether it was a show whether it was a piece of it, what was it that made you kind of rethink things? Um, so first of all, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's fine, Scott. So um, my aha moment happened about three or four years after I had started competing. So <laughs> I was a little bit late. I didn't get the memo that I didn't get the memo early. Um I had already won a Daytona Spring Break Nationals before I had my aha moment. Um, I guess it was at the 94 Daytona show. And um, there's this funky BMW there with 12s and the kicks. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And um, I was like, I got to go hear this car. It was Earl Zalzmer's car. And um, it was the first time I heard a soundstage. And I had been competing for three or four years by that point. So I was like, what the hell have I been doing? Yep. Um, that car mm -hmm. that car blew my mind. Um, love it or hate him for what he did, you know, the one seat wonder, blah, blah, blah. Um, that car from the driver's seat was doing things that I have never heard in the 
I've never heard since, I think. There was 12 layers to the soundstage. The, the, the center was, I mean, you could pick the nose of the lead singer. I mean, it was fantastic. It was phenomenal. And I, like, I, like all you guys, I went back and I, I went back to the drawing board and I said to myself, I need, I got some work to do. So mm-hmm. it was, it was always Osmer's car. So for you guys, um, and, and uh, obviously I'm overtaking and I apologize, Cliff and Aaron, but you know, it's. You skip, you skip Mark, I think. Oh, did I say Mark? Mark, I love you, oh. buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, lots of aha moments. The, the first one, 1990, I was in pilot training, training, learning how to fly C-130s, and I got a copy of Car Audio Magazine, had the RTA on the front, and I started reading. I was like, wow, okay, because I'd been into car audio for a long time doing my own stuff, and I was like, okay, cars, music, and competition, I'm in, you know, and that's uh, that's where the competition started, and I started learning and getting into it, um, subscribed to Dave and Richard's you know, Auto Sound 2000 Tech Briefs. And that's kind of leading to my big aha moment because I went to, in Charlotte, North Carolina, they had an AutoSan 2000 seminar and I drove all the way out there because I thought I had a decent sounding car, but I wanted to learn more. I had the USD horns up under the dash and and all that stuff. And got out there in the first day, went through classes that night, they had the Grand National on display outside. And uh, Ellen, three, Ellen Smith, Manville's wife now, um, she was working for Richard. And she was in the driver's seat doing demos. And there's a line, I don't know, 30, 40 people long. And they were doing demos for like two or three minutes a piece. So it was quite a while. And then I got in and sat down with Ellen and said, hey, Ellen, I'm Mark. Um, Just learning how to do this stuff. Yeah, I want to hear the car. But can you teach me a little bit about staging and imaging and, 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 and evaluating sound quality? And we were in that car for 20 or 30 minutes and there's people in line waiting outside and she demoed the car and explained things and we're listening to all the Aska tracks in particular the Pat Coyle stuff. And for me, that was where, that was my real start in learning how to do what we do, you know? And then after that, the end of the second day, we're in Charlotte and it's July, right? So it's like a hundred degrees and it's a hundred percent humidity. And I was, I just begged Richard, said, Richard, you got to come here, my, my forerunner, because I've got the USD horns and all this stuff, yada, yada, yada. So we get in the vehicle and he's in the driver's seat. And I'm like, you only started up so you can run the air conditioning? He's like, no, man, I, I'm fine. You know, the, that North Carolina accent of his and put on the Iaska disc. And he listened for about a minute. And then he turned the volume down. He said, what speakers you got in here? I said, I got the USD horns up under the dash. He said, those ain't those horns. I said, that's them. He said, those are the worst sounding horns I ever heard in my life. (laughs) Did he urinate on your seat at the same time? No, what he did for the next 45 minutes, he tuned my system for me and he showed me what he was doing. And he opened the horns up and he was, you know, using things inside and he was doing EQ and stuff. And, uh, now that whole weekend is what drove me to do what we do. I mean, that, that for me was the epiphany, you know, that was the beginning of where I learned how to learn. So there you go. I want, I want to, I want to add something real quick. We've been on for 27 minutes. 
Mike Minio's name has not been brought up yet. What the hell? <laughs> Give it time. Give it time. I mean, you can't say nobody say it three times because then. <laughs> say, <laughs> is it like this is what it's like? <laughs> the ice is melting, guys. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't even. Oh. Hey, hey, Aaron. Aaron. Let me. Uh, one sec. Aaron, when when did you get into cardio? Uh. I don't know, maybe 2002 or three with subwoofers, but like sound quality side of things, <laughs> like everybody else lately, uh, found the forum, uh, do it yourself, mobile audio. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I thought I knew mm -hmm. everything because I read a bunch of people that knew everything posting there. Then I got <laughs> well, an invite from, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, then I got an invite from this guy named, uh, Kirk profit. he yeah. said, Hey, I'm in Huntsville. I'm like 30 minutes from you. I'm having a get together at my house this weekend before we have a big, I think it was Alabama state finals and he invited me out. And I was like, sure, I'll go. So I went and I actually took a friend with me. So I wouldn't feel weird. Cause I didn't know anybody. I'm, I mean, this is the first thing I went to with any sound quality cars at all there. Jeff was actually there. I don't know if you remember that. That was a dude. That was like 2007, maybe 2008. And you remember Andrew? Yep. Um, not what was this? Andrew Smalls. Yep. Andrew Still Smalls was there. Yeah. Um, was Hogan oh, there? Hogan was there. Scott Selvage was there. Uh, wow, I've heard Scott's name. Uh, Matt Roberts was there. Oh, gosh. Who, who else is there? Who? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, long story short, um, Kirk said, if you want to demo a car, you can demo mine, his TL. Yep. First <clears throat> SQ car I ever sat in. It's been game over ever since, man. I mean, he played one of my favorite songs of all time. He played Money for Nothing, and he cranked it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And well, I went home, like, fired up, and I, I've made so many bills trying to get to the ah. the feeling that I got from his. I've never gotten there. I've had well, fun. Kirk was an anomaly. Was I mean, I'll still t say this. Yeah. For a fact, uh, the original iteration with uh, using all the factory locations in that car, yeah. which, by the way, I'm waiting for him the day before he decides to keel over, say that there was a something else in the car. And he else, didn't yeah. know about it. But uh, <laughs> from a factory location, I still say hands down today. There's there's probably not much if ever anything's touched that car. That thing from that perspective. Incredible. I mean, it was yeah. It just it made you question like I should go take my highly custom car and go set it on fire because uh, <laughs> probably he just did stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that was it for me. And then just the fact that he invited me up, I got to meet all these different people. Um, I learned so much. Scott Selvage took some time to show me how to do some basic tuning. I think he had a 79, 98 uh, Alpine. And I don't know, man, it was just a, a good, you know, grassroots event at his house. Great time. And uh, I don't know. I think that's why I've always been fond of having get togethers, you know, hosting them or going to them just because that's really how you get a lot of the new people into it. The guys who are kind of scared to come to a competition because they don't know what a competition is. They've heard all these things about competitions. So they'll come to get togethers. And um, I like doing that just to kind of get hands on with some of those guys, not get handsy with some of those guys, but give those guys some hands on uh, <laughs> tuning advice the best I can and try to introduce them into the world of sound quality. Like Kirk did for me that day. Yeah. Yep. Scott, uh, Scott Walter, when did, when did you get in? It was around 80, 85, 86? My first show was the Can Prelims 2, which is 1987. Okay. So, oh, God. 1987, 1988. And then I went to college for a few years, so I kind of laid off, and I came back to Iaska in 92. And I had my aha moment in 94, so. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yep. so 
as of right now, we have 266 years of experience in the room as of right now. <laughs> we can start a company. Yeah, really. <laughs> have, have any of you guys thought about doing this for a, a job? I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, we talk about the aha moment. So my next question to build upon the aha moment um, what was your answer to that aha moment? So what I mean by that is you've experienced it. You're like, holy shit, there's a new world. There's a new thing that I have to go chase. What was your rebuttal to that aha? So what, what I'm getting at is what was that, that, that pen to paper, your execution, your, whatever that, the, the system and, and the install and whatever, what, what was that? What did that look like? And I guess we can start with Doug uh, on that piece. I mean, mine was just figuring out how to do those things. You know, it was okay. You know, this was cool. You know, how do you? And, and it wasn't just all about audio. It was how do you put a TV in your car? How do you put a computer in your car? You know, how do you do all this stuff? Because I've seen it. It's possible. I have no idea how to do it. How do you build your own spectrum analyzer? Um, all those things were were really interesting to me. So I just started tearing stuff apart and burning stuff up and, you know, learning along the way. And, you know, as I went to more shows and didn't get any trophies other than, I think I got dead ass last from George one time. Um, Cause that was a trophy he liked to give away. Yeah. Um, you know, then, I, then I started figuring out how, um, you know, how things sounded and why they sounded the way they did. And then just started, you know, reading, you know, that that's what I'm, always been big on is reading and figuring things out and just tinkered until I figured it out, you know, and I'm still tinkering to this day and still figuring things out, you know, and the, and the more you learn, the more you realize, you know, what you don't know. So it's, yeah. I, I haven't, you know, rebutted it yet. I'm still learning. <laughs> Mr. Nick, what was your, what was your answer to that aha moment? Like system one. Well, it's, it's kind of like Doug, you know, when when you listen to, you know, Harry's car and you listen to Mark's forerunner, it, it made me realize that there's a hell of a lot more I have to learn. And uh, God bless Mark, because he was open enough and kind enough and nice enough to answer a lot of questions. And to this day, brother, thank you. I cannot thank you enough. Really appreciate it. And um, and also making friends with Mark Fakuda. You know, mm -hmm. and even though Mark was a hermit back then, being at, you know, his house or at Autographics, you know, I, I would just make, I'd go down there after hours, walk into the bay, you know, and here's 10 people I know, and they're all, we're all sitting here watching Mark work and learning what Mark learned and, and was willing to share with us, which for us, it, it was like, just watch what he was doing and it just, execution wise and then um you know learning from uh, dale fontner because you know, dale had been building home speakers and amateur but for 20 years by then anyway and and letting dale teach me what he knew and then going out and finding that all on my own you know and uh met doug and picked doug's brain and uh, and just started reading everything that i could you know and um figuring it out and that that's what 
you know, what drove me was that aha moment. Like, well, if I'm going to get into this and I'm going to be able to compete, you know, then here we go. I, I've got to be able to learn how all this works and how to execute it and how to, how to actually tune a car. Oh, well, my God. And now look what it's got me. Well, here's the deal. It's a good thing we didn't ask a bunch of bald people to hop on this call, is it? Damn. <laughs> that's, that's not nice. I think I think the skin to hair ratio is a little off on this this call. Our, our next well, t-shirts are gonna be Charlie. Our, our next t-shirts are all gonna be Charlie Brown t-shirts. He's <laughs> <laughs> the only guy with hair, or one of the only guys with hair. <laughs> <laughs> and a nice set of hair to go with that. Jeff, what about um, you? Okay. What about you? What was what was your answer to that aha? What, you know, whether it be like I said, whether it was a learning thing or uh, your system, what was that? So, that so for me, it was a it was a long process. So after meeting Jeff Riles, um, I had no clue of how to make my system sound as good as his. So I played around with a lot of different things, realized some very basic things about the car were fundamentally wrong. You know, you always read in car electronics growing up and went to more and more shows. And like I said, met a different group of guys who were um, into competing a lot heavier than I was. And then I got to meet um, and become a um, MTX Thunder Force guy. And they paid for Mark and Jason to come out to our shop and do some real training with us in order to get the Thunder Force team up to par. So there was a lot of install training, a lot of sound quality training, things like that, but still it's a water hose of information, right? So you're trying to take these week and a half, two weeks that Mark and Jason Plank are there with us. And I live, remind you, I live 50 miles away from this shop. So I'm having to commute 50 miles each way to come hang out with these guys that are more experienced than me. So finally, one day after Mark and Jason had been there and everything else, I met a guy at a, um, I asked a show, Nick Scott. And he was like, do you have any of these CDs to help you? And I was like, what are these? That was when I first learned about the Auto Sound 2000 CDs. So I had CD 102 in my disc. And CD 102 goes through each track and it shows you what 3% distortion sounds like, what no distortion sounds like, and all that. I literally sat in my car for probably two months straight, EQ in my lap, going over everything I learned from Mark, everything I learned on this CD and everything else, and my guys around me. And I, I would always listen to their cars, but I was kind of timid to them in a bit because I still felt like I was the junior guy to all these guys and I worked in my car worked in my car worked in my car and it was time to go to this hi-fi buy show so I took my car there and Nick Scott was the judge and he got in my car and he gets out and he looks at me and he goes you okay I was like yeah why and he goes just wondering and he calls Terry Floyd over and he's like Terry come listen to something I want to make sure I'm hearing what I think I'm hearing. So, oh. Terry, so Terry Floyd gets in the car, and Terry gets out, and him and Nick walk away, and they go get Stuart Allen. I don't know if you guys know who Stuart Allen was. Stuart Allen was another local Georgia guy who was a really good sound quality guy. Bring Stuart back over. 
The steward gets in the car and they get out and the three of them are standing. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with my car? Right. <laughs> and then Nick comes over to me. He goes, dude, I don't know what you did to your car, but it is right. And I'm like, I didn't even know what to say. I just stood there for a second and he was like, this is awesome. Like, this is awesome. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to win first place, right? Here comes Brantley Miller in my class. And Brantley Miller kills me by 32 points in installation. <laughs> but at least I had the sound quality dialed in. I beat him in sound, but he killed me in install. And at least at that point in time, by using those tools and what I had learned from Mark and Jason and Scott uh, Harris and all those other guys was once you get an idea that there's like Scott Walter said, once you understand that there's something, a true sound stage, depth, layering and things like that. And once you get a grip that there's something out there besides stereo sound and you figure out what frequencies on the EQ can make someone's voice go from sounding natural to sound nasally and everything else. When you learn those intricate parts of the EQ, that for me was once I saw other people in my industry who were well, in the competition scene who I looked up to and they were winning and kicking butt at competitions. When they got out of my car and Nick told me my car sounded and it was on, I was, that was That's it for that. me. That I, I could have died that day, man. <laughs> Yay. I was, I was good to go. Mr. Scott, uh, so like I said, you know, after you had that aha moment, you know, what was your rebuttal to that? I think the big one for me was um, taking the EQ back from whoever I was giving it to. I was one of those guys that would go to the show with the car untuned and then rely on someone else, typically a factory guy, to help me tune the car. Whether that be Larry Fredericks or Manuel Smith or whatever the case might be. And I think when I took the EQ back and I put it in my lap, that's when things started to change. Um, and a whole lot of work. Um, I can't underscore the amount of work that I had involved to to learn the craft to more than just an install, but to actually pursue the sound quality. A lot of work. But I think it started with stop stopping relying on other people and just relying on myself and then learning as I went along, I guess. That was the big one for me. Mr. Aaron, what about yourself? After, so after you experienced Kurt's, oh man, uh, yeah, it wasn't like a, a kickoff of anything other than just to keep doing what I was doing. You know, I just it just, I guess it showed me what was possible. And with all the other input from the other guys there, it just showed me that you can have more than just a stereo. You know, you can have something that rocks, that's fun, that um, images well. You know, and and I didn't leave there knowing all the different turns, but at least I kind of got you know the the basics of left, center, right, because even before car audio i never really had like a home audio system never experienced anything like that so car audio really was my first entrance into like a true high-end stereo then when you tell like so now that i do like all this home audio speaker testing and stuff and i tell people that i know they kind of roll their eyes but i don't think a lot of home audio people understand and respect just how much effort it takes to get a good stereo system in a car and all the stuff that i've had to learn when i go and test a speaker for home audio i'm like Man, this is easy like this is nothing you know well, so. I will argue today that you get micro imaging or I should say micro detail and 
some of those it's almost more emotional when it's right 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 in a car that i've experienced because you know i i've I've been blessed to sit in front of i mean some of the best money can buy and you know i i say that whenever the car itself is right and, and we all know what those who those cars are i mean there's there's a bunch of them but you know they're gems uh there's really nothing like it and and you're right there always is that preconceived snobbery right uh from the home side uh but that's because i mean by majority they probably just correlate yeah. it with the guy that drives down the street and rattles the windows in their home right yeah. that, or the crazy. or the bow systems and the right. cadillacs yeah so chris uh fashionably late still love you um you're probably working your 36th hour straight i get it um <laughs> but so we, we kind of started a, a, a few questions here number one uh what year ish did you start um then you might as well just go ahead go from there to parlay and and talk about uh what was the aha moment for you so the, the whether it was a system a piece of equipment and install technique, whatever that made you kind of rethink what you were doing at the time. And then after the aha moment, what did you do to, you know, what was your next steps? So, you know, I, and I'm, I'm obviously a lot newer to this than all you guys, y'all have done a lot longer than I have. <laughs> so um, probably 97, um, I met Mickey Bronis and he introduced me to Wilson Adcock. I met Mickey at a uh, an event in uh, Galveston, a USAC event in Galveston, Texas, and uh, uh, some triple point show down there. And I took a, uh, a my red uh, Mazda RX-7 down there and got my ass handed to me. Um, and it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. But I met Mickey, and he um, he told me, "Man, you have to you have to meet this cat. He's closer up to you. His name's uh, his name's Wilson Adcock." And uh, he gave Wilson my number and Wilson called me, I think it was a week later or something like that. And Wilson invited me down to his house and, uh, you know, I've been installing for a while at that point, but not a, you know, not a, not a, not a terribly long time, but you know, we, I could put stuff together, obviously had learned some fiberglass stuff and had seen the stuff that Gary Biggs was doing and, and, uh, the stuff that Mark was doing. And, uh, you know, and I was like, you know, wow, you know, this, you know, I'm going to just try my hand at it. And, you know, you just kind of go with it at that point. There's no real, there's no, it's just, trial and error and uh you know so i went down to wilson's house and he sits me down he goes man you want to learn about music and i was like yeah and uh sits me down in front of these two five foot tall obelisks that are home speakers that he built with a focal 15 in the bottom and a diapolito array with a with you know seven on each side with the with the uh with the beryllium tweeter in the middle and i mean shoot cabinets were taller than me at least that's what i felt like at the time and and uh you know a couple uh you know you know just and i'm just sitting there listening to it and i'm like whoa this is this is what it's supposed to sound like this is right um i've been totally going about this wrong and uh that was really kind of the moment you know and you know where i was like wow and you know wilson really kind of took me under his wing for a long time you know and uh you know from a sound standpoint it wasn't until i met doug winker sometime later and he came over and helped me fix my car when I first entered the expert class sitting in that hot ass garage. <laughs> Somehow we got that car turned sideways and got in there and got that bike array in there and made it all work. But, uh, you know, it wasn't, it, it was definitely Wilson that definitely, uh, 
that turned me on and got me got me straightened out at least going down the right path and then uh and then lo and behold here comes doug winker and nick wingate some years later and uh you know and i guess the rest is history from there you know So first off, um, I think don't, I'm, don't, I'm, don't forget Mark. Don't forget Mark again. I know. I don't, I'm not. I'm All not. right. All right. Uh, first off, I think uh, we need to rass Big Z uh, for either not showing up or showing up even later than than Bates. So or if he doesn't show up at all, I think we're all going to hop on Facebook and uh, span his page. I think it's what we're I'll doing. I'll see him tomorrow in Oklahoma City. I saw him on my way home tonight. I stopped by his shop, talked to him. So. I don't know why he's not I, here. I messaged him, and I know he saw the message because his little, 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 little <laughs> I see the eyeball. I see the eyeball. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably watching. You know he is. He's listening. <laughs> Judge, I never. Actually, I think he's, oh, he's, he might still be doing. He was doing an install on a uh, um, radar detector system on on a 2021 BMW M8. Oh, so, what was that uh you know what was that rebuttal to that aha moment so you know you mentioned you know the the time spent with clark um was it just to try to repeat that thing that you experienced or was it uh you know or did you did you go further than that it it just it realigned my learning process i it I always look at my life when I learn how to learn. You know, I had learned some things up to that point just with a shotgun, you know, just, oh, learn this, learn this, learn this. But when I met Dave and Richard and Ellen and, and learned from them, and I met Manhole at this show, I met a ton of people at this seminar in 91, and it taught me how to learn. And I started focusing on where to get real information and what really matters. You know, it, it's it's not. Thank God we didn't have the internet forums back then because we'd all been lost. You know, I mean, we had to actually go and research stuff, and we had to go find the information. And um, I attended all the AutoSound 2000 seminars I could. Uh, Dave Navoni put me and Doug in touch with each other in '92 because um, we were doing a seminar in Dallas, and Doug had a TEF and I had a TEF and. I needed some things to help Richard get that seminar set up. And I think Doug, you just had your surgery at that point. Right. Um, yeah. But uh, so Doug and I teamed up there and it just really taught me to focus on what really ma makes a difference. You know, don't worry about some guy that has his car and it sounds good. And he says, Oh, well you got to do this and this and this. Maybe you do, but you got to understand human physiology and how the human hearing system works. And for God's sake, get out of the car and listen to a real reference system. If you don't do anything else, listen to a real nice sounding home or studio reference system. There's not a car ever built that should be used as a reference. Nope. You know, Amen. Um, there's some that sound nope. amazingly good, but you know, when you get in a real nice home, Whole environment or a studio environment, that's what you need to shoot for. Yeah. You know? Amen to back, brother. So and you know, I shot for I show. shot at Chad Plodner's car and I shot at the Grand National and a bunch of other cars trying to make mine sound that good. And then I finally learned, you know, nah, there's better. And nobody's ever achieved it. So you know. 
Hey, real, real quick, just so y'all know, uh, Dan Merritt was supposed to be here tonight. He got his uh, COVID shot today, and he's feeling under the weather. But um, he, uh, I asked him um, when he got in. He got in 1986. Um, he said that he moved to Texas and came across the Thunder on Wheel shows in 89, competed for the first time in 90, got top, top five of 92 in TOW and USAC that year at finals and met Mark in 1994. So with him, if we include Dan, who's here in spirit, uh, if he started in 1986 in total with Chris and Dan, we have 325 years of experience here. Does that, does that count total hours I've worked? Because it's way Based on that this year already. Just exactly. <laughs> well, I, I will volunteer in 1994 when I met Dan at a TOW show in Waco. Uh-oh. He beat my forerunner. No way. Yeah. Yeah, well, he had like 155 DBSPL, and I did like a 125. So oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> see, there's the caveat and, and, right there. Hey, Mark, but I still got that second place plaque. I've still got it. It's one of the few you know, that I actually kept. You know, he has never told me he did a 155, and that's how he beat your ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you wait a lot to him. I think what it actually was, Nick, was he had the upgraded alternator, and I didn't. So that five points is what did it. <laughs> uh, that's what did it. <laughs> I'm I'm supposed to ask Doug Winker about riding with Dan to spring break and the SPL alarm clock. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, one year we went to uh, spring break nationals. I, I'm, I'm so Dan's telling you that to ask that. I'm going to tell a story on him too, since he's yeah. <laughs> so we're, so we're, we're we're driving to spring break nationals, and he said, "Yeah, let's go. Let's go to spring break." And uh, so myself and Dan and James Cone packed up in his Isuzu Trooper. And it was Dan and I in the front and James and all the luggage in the back because the rest of the Trooper was the stereo system. And uh, we're driving along and Dan and I are up front. And Dan used to call the woofer, the woofer area the dog pound. And he had them on a separate switch. And this, this, uh, um, this lighting would come up around the woofers. Well, we're driving along, and Dan looks back and notices that James Cone is sound asleep in the uh, in the back of the of the trooper. So he pokes me on the arm and kind of gives me the this thing, and he reaches down under his seat and he's fumbling, and he pulls out a couple of earmuffs and he hands me some earmuffs. He puts on some earmuffs, and James is just asleep. This, this glow comes up in the back and. James got the 155 dB alarm clock. <laughs> and I think he probably bounced off every surface on the back of that truck and rearranged the luggage. Um, and he didn't sleep again for, for the rest of the trip. But, uh, yeah, he moved, he, moved, he moved pretty quick. Now, I have, to, I have to tell a story about Dan on that same trip. Well, since he's not here. Well, no, no, he's online. No, no, no. Go ahead. He's online. Go ahead. So, so we drove straight from Dallas Fort Worth all the way through to Daytona, which I've unfortunately done a few times, and it's quite a quite a long haul. And so that's you know what twenty something hours. And when you get to Daytona, you're naturally tired, you know. And Dan, and Dan, you know, go give him credit. You know, it's his truck. He drove the whole way. So James and I had to ride. James got a little sleep, um, but. Uh, we get to Daytona and it's like, okay, get out the map. So the hotels here, 
well, I'm ready to go get to the hotel. No, we got to clean the truck. <laughs> what do you mean, Dan? We got a shipment yeah, to get ready that. for. We got to clean the truck. And Dan, Dan chatted a minute ago. He can chat if I'm lying because I'm not. So Dan says, we got to clean the truck. Dan, we've been on the road for 26 hours. Plus, we got to clean the truck. So he goes and we got to find a car wash. So we drive around and find a car wash. And this is before you can look on look one up on your phone. You just have to drive until you see car wash. <laughs> so here we are in this trooper. We pull into the car wash and we unload all of our luggage and all the damn support equipment. And like zombies, we're cleaning the truck. <laughs> well, so Dan's like, okay, we're done. I'm like, oh, no, Dan. Dan, mm -mm, we are going to mm -hmm. clean the truck. <laughs> and I got a towel and I rubbed inside the seat rail and said, Dan, this did not clean. We are cleaning the truck. We have to scrub the seat rails. We need to clean under the lip of the uh, wheel well. Look at all this dirt from that thousand mile trip. Because if he was going to make me clean the truck after being awake for 24 hours, we were never going to have to clean the truck again on that trip. <laughs> and eventually... We decided when Dan was as irritated as I was that it was time to go to the hotel. <laughs> but I will never forget this. Like, oh, we're exhausted. Let's go get to the hotel. No, we got to wash the truck. Oh, God. And it and he got, he was so serious. You know, it wasn't a joke. That truck can't drive around Daytona Beach and not be show ready. It, it was, it was show ready. And then we put our stuff back in and, you know, went, went to the hotel and James mumbled the whole time about being woken up by the woofers. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a fun trip. Oh God! Um, I actually I actually have a similar story for Daytona. Um, do you guys remember the rocket science van from uh, Speaker Warehouse? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, Tommy um, was his name. Um, we were staying at a flea bag motel in Daytona, nineteen ninety one, ninety two. And Tommy, Tommy was down in the parking lot at 1.30 in the morning. Every alarm would go off. <laughs> oh, God. Every alarm would shut off. Five minutes later, he did that the entire freaking evening. Everyone hated the guy. Everyone hated the guy. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, um, you know, the... So Cliff and, and, and Aaron and I kind of talked about, you know, what this could be and what this should be as far as getting all you amazing people on here. And it's kind of a mixture of uh, some BS and, and some, some, some great storytelling. Uh, but it's also to potentially ask some of those questions that, you know, um, I think we probably have all wanted to know over the years because, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of you guys are guys that, you know, and I'm sure I probably speak with for, for Cliff and for Aaron. Mm, people that I've looked for looked up to and, and who I consider longtime friends for with a lot of you guys that I've I mean I've been honored enough to and you guys have allowed me to sit in your vehicles and spent time talking to me. I mean it's probably been damn near almost two decades for some of you guys. Um so the intent is to kind of ask some some of the fun questions that I think that you know either we've all have spoken uh, uh, in passing or at shows, but it's it just to kind of get other people uh, some some awareness and maybe some things that they've always wanted to ask. So one of the things I've always wanted to know with all of you guys who have you know lived in the lanes and who pioneered was um, 
who was that who is that one car or that one competitor it, it, um, that um, you wish you could compete against again? So who <laughs> drove you to for you to be your best, right? So that person showed up in the show. Uh, you had to bring your A game. Oh God! Everybody We've already spoken his name one time tonight. It's going to be two here. In hey. A Hey, mm -mm, careful! So if he if he made you bring your A game, then I'm I like to know what. No, I just like to see him get irritated and blow up. It was always hysterical when that happened. So, oh God! So, Mr. Eldridge, oh. uh, who who yeah, was that Chad, person? Just Chad Clodner. Yeah, but, uh, okay. I mean Richard and I got started, you know, watching uh, you know, a bunch of guys back in the early '90s. But when I really got to competing. And in 1995 was the year it all kind of happened. And because I've been watching Chad with his Mustang for a couple of years. And, you know, he lived in Dallas. I lived in Fort Worth. So I was able to listen to his car every now and then and talk with him. But in 95 was when the expert class was really born. I mean, that was the year where a lot of us jumped in the expert class. And Chad and I competed every week. Every week we're at a show. And, you know, the the... the best part about it was we were competitors but we were friends you know it, it wasn't about hey i'm gonna beat that guy it was about making your car sound better than his and um came down to it at the end at finals i asked a finals um he took sq and i took sq plus and minio finished behind me and both of them um <laughs> good friend you know and uh, that was that, you know, Claudner was always the one that I aspired to be better than. So there you go. Hey, Mark, I got a message from Claudner the other day. Yeah, I, I get a message about, about every couple months. He and I message back and forth. So, so. I, I, I made a post. I said, hey, man, you still got that? Uh, still got your Mustang together so I can come take a look at it? He goes, anytime you want to come up to Round Rock, you can come see it. Yeah, it's like 1,600 horsepower with no stereo in it. Scott, who was that person for you, man? Um, it's probably Mark Eldridge, the Michael Jordan of car audio. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I'm going to use that from here on. So I'm going to use I, that. If you want to compare me to Jordan, I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> no, I mean, the reality of it was... Um, I, in the, in the mid nineties, you were killing it and we all wanted to beat you. And it's, you know, eventually we did, um, not a whole lot, not often, but we did. Um, I remember this is a little side story. Wilson Adcock came up to me. I think it was Perry or finals during the, the heyday of your, your campaign, probably oh, 90, 96, I know 97. this story already. Oh yeah. God. Um, Wilson yeah. puts his arm around me. He goes, brother, you need to beat that MFR or I will. <laughs> one of us, one of us needs to beat him. And that was, and then he walked away. Now I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> a new story I hadn't heard yet. So there you go. Oh, um, the the reason totally why his voice. The yeah. reason why the reason why Black Betty exists is because of Mark Eldridge. Um, I I took it back to the shop for three and a half, four years, mm. and I built a car that. 
um, I thought could could beat Mark and um, Mark, you you you're the you're the hub. We're the we're just the spokes, man. Yeah, Dude, I, I, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, Thank you. you. I second the motion. Yeah. I mean, that's the God's honest truth, brother. You know, yeah, it, it's it, it's funny how you know. I think everybody needs. And I know uh, now we're just putting Mark on a pedestal and bronzing him. But I think everybody in their life needs a that because I think that's what all I think it's what makes all of us on this call who we are, because, you know, we, we, we see it. We see that almost unattainable goal and then it, it almost drives us to go do that thing. Right. It becomes a sickness. So I'll jump in right after Scott, since it's going to just go and continue this uh, building Mr. Eldridge's ego. So Chris is writing a paycheck. That's true. Hey, yeah. That's oh, true. Do we all get free classes for this, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so being off, being off uh, the tree of, uh, of Wilson Adcock, that was all he ever taught me was uh, he goes, when you're going to do the expert class, your job is to beat Mark Eldridge. And when you beat Mark Eldridge, you know, you've done the job right. So, um, and I don't really have, I mean, I'm mentally wired. If you're going to do it, you got to do it and you got to be the best at it. And you got to be the man. And so that's all I've ever known of how to do things. That's the way I was wired. So, you know, it, it from work, from the word go, when the day that I jumped in the expert class, it was always about beating Mark. That was it. It's like, when you yeah. can beat Mark Eldridge, you know, you know, you've done something. And if you ain't beat Mark Eldridge, well, you ain't done anything. So shut your mouth, shut your damn mouth. Until you beat Mark Eldridge. And then when you beat him, you better keep trying because he's going to come back and try to beat you. So exactly. every time. And that's that's what I appreciate about all you guys because, yeah, I, I won a lot of trophies and stuff. But in that class or in any class, somebody betters what you're doing. You mm -hmm. have to learn and advance what you're doing or go away. Yep. You know? Um so, you know, it, yeah, Chad drove me initially, but then it was, you know, Minio and Chad and Eric Stevens and a bunch of those guys, Holly Mungle and those guys from the day. And then it came around Nick and Scott and all the other guys in the expert class and, and Steve Brown and some of those guys. And, um, yeah, yeah when, nobody when Mark, knows it all. When, 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 Mark's, when Mark said he was done, I was like, I don't really have anything left to do. I was like, so what so do we do now? I was like, I'm, re I'm retiring too. I was like, Mark said, I was like, well, shit. What am I doing? I was like, well, so I retired. So it took a number of years and just building cars for guys to get to this point where I'm like, well, you know, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go to a show and compete again because I'm like, I don't really, I mean. <clears throat> well, it's I'm sorry to put that squelch on you there. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, and it always has been. If you're competing at our level, it's always been Mark. So, Jeff, what about you, good sir? <laughs> For me, um, it would have to be the early 2000s. And when Iaska introduced the street classes. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So when they Back to the basics. Classes, Thanks, Manville. Right? So when they introduced <laughs> the street classes, I originally built this one this this one car for my now ex-wife. And it was fun. You know, it was it was nothing super serious. Um 
until 2002 when Scott moved into Street Expert with the Ultimate. Was it the yep. Ultimate? Yeah, knew yep. Scott for a long time. You know, saw him in the you know shows and everything else, and and it was just one of those classes that Street Expert now gave you the same sound judging as regular expert class, but the install was knocked down, right? Still very nice. I mean, I think there's a, and for the people who are listening on here, it's not like Jeff's talking about just a bunch of stuff thrown on with, with screws. I mean, these still were very well thought out, very well executed cars, just not to the holy shit bonkers. Uh, you know, how did they make well, that? I don't, I don't know about that, Randy, because, Scott's car. Scott well, I agree. Scott. Well, that's because we're talking about like here. a tank, right? <laughs> so, so this this is when Scott would go to a show, and Scott would use the stick to push his car like twenty feet, right? And my thing in my car was extreme factory appearance, all the vehicle space, you know, minus the little bit of things and the integration part of it. Scott had liquid cooling in the car. He had, <laughs> you know, the everything, right? So anyway, so for those two two years of us going back and forth in street expert, that was a that was another like come to Jesus for me on the level of competition you have to deal with with someone who is a installation judge's nightmare, right? Who will suck every possible point out of the fact that his butt connector is exactly perpendicular to the body line of the vehicle all his heat shrink is in the exact same orientation and it just it just made you think about like there's a certain level of selling yourself to a judge and then there was the scott level of selling yourself to a judge yeah. and i think watching him do install for those two years and losing to him at finals in small margins for those two years caused me to go back and rebuild my car in 2002 no 2003 i rebuilt the car and then lost i mean i thought i came to the finals went back and did all the little 1.1s individual 100 watt monoblocks on every driver redid the install everything else added alpine f1 to my car i'm like i got all the good stuff now i'm ready i'm bringing my a game and I get there, and he beats me in SPL, three <laughs> dB, and beats me in sound by like eight points, and I'm just like deflated. And then I went back and I worked that entire from finals until spring break. All I did was tune my car. I didn't change a single thing, right? Because typically you go back start changing components. I'm talking Trapper Keeper three ring binder of listening to tracks, making adjustments from November to March for spring break, right? And this is when this is my when they, if anyone ever asked me what is the what is the one show that you did good at that was the aha pat on the back for you, and it was spring break 2004, hands down for me. This is when we did the ISQC sound challenge yep. thing. And I killed my class. And then the top 30 round, I got second to Mark. 
by 2.8 points or something like that. And Scott moved out of Street Expert that year. And this is when I got to compete against Doug Winker. He was Team JBL that year. So I went the entire season. I won spring break, got second to mark at top 30th at spring break. Won Still Valley in my class, got second to mark again at Still Valley. Won every show I went through that year. Won slap finals, best of show, best install. Won my class in Iaska and beat Doug. So from 2001 to 2004, it was learning to be a showman in installation by Scott, right? It was learning all the install tricks. I remember Doug, Doug was real friendly and Doug had this metal plate around his speaker and, you know, Doug's, diffraction you know, ring. Yeah, uh -huh. this ring, this diffraction ring or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, I got like kick panels in my car and this dude's got a metal ring to break up the sound waves or they come around. I'm just, whatever, you know. I'm just thinking to myself, here I am, some guy in his garage working at a shop. And Doug, did, isn't that what you, uh, not to cut you off yet, but isn't that what you used to write your dissertation, your, your PhD dissertation? No. No. That was just something, that was just something I picked up in, in one of my classes. It was a, it was a trick from something they actually did on, uh, measuring, uh, really high frequency sound with, uh, with microphones that were actually a little large for it. And it's a way to, uh, to measure, um, shock waves when you're doing nonlinear acoustics. Now my dissertation was completely different, okay. which I can go into, but, and the only reason I'm not is cause that'll be, a dissertation unto itself <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the little ring thing was more of a weekend project so before I, I hop over to you to doug and i think it's important to kind of come back to the scott thing because you know i think as much as we all um absolutely believe that you know mark was that person that is the, the jordan of, of, of car audio um, Scott, absolutely. If, there, if, if, if Mark was Jordan, you know, Scott could easily be Magic Johnson or, or, or that whatever, you know, at the time Jordan's nemesis was because Scott is the king of detail. I don't think there ever will be ever will be. Well, I'll, I'll take that back. I think um, Brian might be taking a, a couple pages out of Scott's book, but I think Scott's the king of detail. Period. Thank you, Brad. I mean, appreciate that. No, no yeah. hands and butts. And I know, you know, we, we talk about car audio and, and, and the sound piece, and there's no denying the skill and ability there. But from a from a level of detail, I doubt there ever is going to be a, a another another Scott in, in in the sport. And if it is, that's going to be truly exceptional. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's the truth, man. It means a lot. Dr. Doug, what about you, good sir? Like, uh, well, so my so my answer to that question. So I, there, there's someone I'll bring up, but then I want to I want to after I answer it, I want to add something. Is most of my work in this, you know, was not really campaigning a car. You know, I was a judge for many many years and was really involved in rule books and rules and ethics and judging, and then switched off into you know supporting. Um, tuning cars, you know, for, uh, for kicker. And then I was on team JBL when I, you know, 
competed. You know, when Mark and Gary got on Team JBL, Mark called me and was, you ought to build a car. It'll be fun. And, you know, so I thought, okay, you know, I kind of know how, to, how this stuff works. I, I might as well build one. And so uh, we, we built my car. But, uh, you know, my biggest contribution, I think, to this has been kind of on the other side of things. But when you go back to that one person that you want to compete against again, and this is a great time because I get to rebut something someone said on one of these other podcasts, is Robert Abels. Because Robert, um, I know, was on a podcast a few weeks ago talking about beating me, and I want to just kind of set the record straight. There was a a show at Sound Idea, and and I competed with a car that that literally – you know, I don't remember how it sounded, but I know what the system consisted of, and I had no right even being able, uh, being allowed to enter, um, because I had uh, I had four eighteens, had a pair of six and a half inch speakers behind my head, and a pair of tweeters in the dash, because I thought that's that's what I needed. So damn right, just imagine <laughs> the limitations of that system design. There was no EQ. Oh, no, there was an EQ, but it was a seven band. So yeah, I had a lot of a lot of things to work with there. But the show was supposed to be an amateur only show, and so I competed. And Robert Abel showed up in his Daytona, and I found out that Robert actually worked at a shop, but showed up and registered as an amateur because he didn't want to drive all the way home. Without competing, and so he registered in my class and won my class when he actually worked at his shop. And I truly was a, you know, high school kid putting the stuff together himself. So I'd like to have a have a go again on that one. <laughs> so so that I could actually protest him and get him thrown out and get my trophy. Um, you know, that would be that would be my other one. The other one I'll say is is uh, when I used to compete, I never beat Joanna Duncan. So. That's another one I'll just just throw yeah. out there. Um, she she was at every show. You know, I'd show up with that. Uh, you know, and and she'd always she'd win. And there was a guy named David George. But uh, oh. yeah, if I had a go over, it'd, it'd be it'd be with Robert, so I could you know actually go up and, and protesting, but uh, and get and get my trophy, which I know he still has, and I still have my second place trophy. And you know that's been going on since the eighties. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of bad blood there. Oh, but man. You know, my, my biggest, as I said, you know, you talk about who you compete against. My biggest thing was judging and tuning and all that type of stuff. That's what, you know, uh, one of this uh, was for me. Mr. Uh, Nick, what about God. you, good sir? Who, who so, is that person, man? God. Besides Mark? Besides Mark. Um, I, I, let, let me just say this real quick. Mark got me in, into this competitive side of it. He really did. He and Fontenot, and I blame Fontenot probably for the the other side of it, which we won't go into at this moment. But Mark, <laughs> what's the other side? The midget, we'll the about, midget trafficking oh, that they used to right. do. At oh the, dear God! You, right, y'all have no. Is I've it, heard stories. Oh God, um, Mark was, and, and still is a dear friend. He's one of my best friends in this world, and that friendship was formed from us competing against each other and always being parked damn near right next to each other and helping each other and, mm-hmm. and having a great time competing against one another. And that was the fun side of it for me. And I, and I would always want to try and, 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 you know, best mark. But there was another person 
who had a Trans Am. And he pissed me off royally at Daytona one year. And Mark knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. And his last name was Adams. Oh, God, yes. And and Scott knows who I'm talking about. Yeah, he's okay, a pizza he, delivery driver. Yeah. And, you know, his you-know-what didn't stink. And uh, he was the best thing. You know, his car was the best on the planet, blah, blah, blah. And arrogant was not the word. And if he's watching this, I don't even know if he's still alive, but you were. I'm sorry. And you treated, <laughs> and he did. And he treated people like crap. And I thought, you know what? I know what class you're in. Yeah, it's time to go do this. And that really and truly, I never had a chance to go up against him. But if I could go back and beat his ass, oh, dude, I, I would be so happy. It would make me so happy because I would like to go, you arrogant, you know what? Guess what? You freaking lost. And, oh, yeah. Him. Brother Nick, Brother Nick, I would fly to your hometown and help you build the car to beat that. <laughs> so, and I know Scott would appreciate this. Jim, Jim Adams was the biggest douche on the entire <laughs> Wow. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and, 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 you know, God. And, and there's a lot of other people. That I would say, you know, they all, I would have liked to have gone back and beat their ass or beat their ass. And then I thought, no, I did. Um, but yeah, Mr. Adams. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So there, yeah, there you go, Randy. <clears throat> yeah. Well, let me jump in here real quick. Just talk about, uh, you know, important people in, in, in the whole scheme of things. Um, and Doug had brought up Robert. And mm. between those two guys, between Doug and Robert, for how many years were one of you two guys with me at every show I competed at? I mean, you know, it, it uh, whether it was Perry every year or finals or whatever else, you know, it was, yeah. it was either Doug riding with me or Robert riding with me or both of them, you know, and, um, and you got to throw some kudos out there to the people that help you out. And those two guys have helped me, as much, if not more, than anybody else ever. So there you go. It's and it's pretty funny because you know the, all the years that we all went back and forth, and you know the same guys that helped him. You know the same guys I recruited to help me all the years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't for Doug and Nick, I wouldn't have beat Mark all those times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, you see, Mark's right. You look at the people that uh, <clears throat> that. Uh, you know, there you don't win them on your own, man. You don't. No, and, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be any. I wouldn't have won any of them. It wouldn't have been for Doug and Nick. Not not a single time. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm going to speak on behalf of Mr. Fontenot because Dale's not on here. But I can tell you, the the person that drove the first time, not the second, but the first time Dale to build the car that he eventually won Perry with was a gentleman that drove a Z28, a red one. <clears throat> because the first Perry that we ever went to, Dale went down there and got his, you know what, handed to him. And it was not a pleasant experience. And, and Mark, 
You know, and Scott knows this, and so does Jeff, how competitive that man was. Mm-hmm. And Minio made the remark about, you know what? No, you, you, you keep saying his name. Stop. I really think you I can't help it. I'm sorry, like, but. This is like Voldemort. You don't say his it's name. Voldemort. I know. It's Voldemort. Just Mark like Lord's Harry, name. Harry I understand Potter. that. You don't say his name. But that man, that gentleman. Bless Nick. <laughs> made the remarks to him about how that's a really nice, nice-looking car. You really should go home and rethink this thing through, and maybe you need to find another hobby. That was the wrong thing to say to him. <laughs> and his wife told me the story about all the way home from Perry. He talked about that man. And I'm not going to say what he said about that man. But he was determined that the following year, that man was going to get his ass handed to him by him. And you talk about the dark side and going there, that got him to go there. Because, you know, Chris sets the standards today for working your ass off to succeed and to achieve a goal. Dale was the one who first started it. And I know Mark uh, did, and and I know we all have. But when you talk about somebody that got driven, that man would be working offshore at a production platform 95 miles south of Cameron, Louisiana. And at 7.30 in the morning, he is calling me at work, talking to me about his freaking car and how he's going to beat that man's ass. (laughs) And I'm going, aren't you offshore? Yeah. Aren't you, shouldn't be... I am, but I'm also figuring out how I'm going to whip his ass. That went on for a year. And the year that he rolled back into Perry and beat and, and, and many a loss to him. And I think that's your second to Mark. I'm going to tell you what, that was the proudest day of that man's life was to watch him beat that car. I don't think he was prouder of any moment in his life, except maybe the birth of his kids. I'm, oh, <laughs> that, that probably is questionable. I mean, there, there's probably, I mean, so yeah. uh, other questions. So uh, let's kind of hop over to maybe uh, what is that one piece of equipment either that you still have that you'll, ne- you know, so what is that one piece of equipment that you have that you'll never get rid of? Aaron, I'm going to start with you. I, I can tell you what Aaron's is. It's it's ginormous and takes up his whole garage. Oh, hold on. Well, so what was the question? I got I got lost here just trying to keep my head down so I don't get jumped by any of these people that y'all are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it'd be all right if it was just one person, but y'all are naming like names of multiple people. They, they can we're catch we're me in a dark corner at, at night. It might be a problem for me. You know, I'm um, not as surprised I used to be. We got so, you, brother. What is that one piece of equipment that you'll never get rid of? Well, I've already gotten rid of it. Um, but that's the same thing that, that, uh, Jeff was talking about the, uh, Macintosh. Now the MCM or the, hold on the MC 4,000 M gosh, yep. what is it? The six channel, big six, six channel sucker. That yeah. thing. I wanted one for probably 10 years. I finally lucked into one, had it for three months, fraud it, had to send it out to California, uh, 12 or $1,300 in repairs later. I get it back. Something else kind of finicky happened with it. It wound up not being the amplifier. It wound up being the DSP instead, but it scared the crap out of me. And I thought, I, 
I don't make enough money to have old school stuff. So I actually just wound up just selling. Oh, I was yeah. like, I can't do this. I can't play this game. <laughs> I'm just too scared. But if I could get that back and just like hanging on, the, you know what I mean? Like if I were a rich dude, just hanging on the wall, keep it plugged in like a nightlight or something, I would do that. Well, you almost or had the that, ones when you that broke when you fried it. So you, well, you could have fried. <laughs> dude, I think Save I cried multiple times. Yeah. Uh, Backlight yeah. it and call it done. I could have. Uh, the Scott had the, uh, Scott, you had the big two channels. What were they? The MC, like six something, three. TMs. Yes, yeah. those. I would love to have those, but I they're like unicorns. And if you do see them come up, people want mad money for them. And again, it's I don't have enough money to afford old school gear like that. So I'll I'll stick with the newer stuff. <laughs> He's Scott? got his hidden away in a car somewhere. Yeah, Scott, nobody knows where it is. Yeah. <laughs> nobody knows. Yes. Nobody has a clue. They, and it probably still works. They, yeah, <laughs> I mean, they, the car is still using the MCC six hundred two TMs. Yeah, and um, the car is in Holland right now for the last. <laughs> 14 months. Oh, 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 oh. it's a, it's a quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> it's quarantine. Oh, I had this brilliant idea to go to the Emma finals last year and I'm still waiting to go to the Emma finals. So, wow. Yeah. So are they. Yeah. So, yeah. They. <laughs> so Scott, what about you? What's that one piece of equipment that you'll never get rid of, man? Um, so I came from the, early to mid nineties school of thought that you had to change your car every year to make it competitive. And, uh, that's still prevalent today. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately I bought into the idea that brand names made a difference. So I, I would have, you know, in 1995 was Rockford. 96 was someone else. 97 was someone else. So I never really fell in love with a piece of product until the MCC 602 TM came out. And I, I've got four of those in my car. That is the product. And I still own that. It's uh, still in the car. Those amps are, what, 15 years old. Yep. And yeah. it's still phen- phenomenal. Probably the best I've ever heard. I would, I would agree with that. Jeff, what about you? Um, so the very first DSP I ever put my hands on had no clue what it was. Because back in the early 90s, crossovers were this big, 10 channels. You had separate EQs and everything else. And I went to a different stereo shop that I didn't even work at. And they were an Alpine dealer. And they had this complete system, Digimax. Oh, man. I'd never come across it before. Didn't know much about it. And it was a digital crossover. That's all I knew. It It was a digital crossover. And... It did something else that I didn't quite understand, which was time alignment back then. And I bought it, had it for probably four months, could never understand exactly how to use it, got rid of it, right? Went back old school, analog processes, audio control stuff. Um, So now I've gone back and collected a complete Digimax, well, almost complete. Digimax system. So I have the 7618 cassette player, I have the 3681 crossover, digital crossover with time correction, and I have 5959S CD changers, everything. And I'm building a uh, retro install um, in my in one in one of my preludes. So please tell me using Flexstone. <laughs> Flexstone for sure. Yeah. So. Flexstone. <laughs> I got some tweet. I got some tweet. I'll send you. <laughs> oh, I got a whole bunch of one, of the, and, and the upstairs, the upholstery shop. I'll send some to you. And some mirrors, some beveled mirrors. Make sure you do that. Maybe some neon, some true neon. neon. Be good. 
some trivia. Mm. Elvis, some what about you, good sir? Equipment mm. I won't get rid of. Yeah. My probably ears. all those, probably all those hidden yeah. black boxes Should, that you know, were in his truck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are those the ones that fell out of the truck or the ones that stayed in the truck? <laughs> You know, I've uh, never really had a piece of equipment that I look at and go, you know, I'm never, ever, ever going to get rid of this. You know, it, uh, it, it's, it's, it's the ears. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Look at that. Oh, that's oh, just wrong. What the hell? Where in the hell? Oh my God. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but, Mark. Go uh, ahead. You know, it's, it's all about the music and it's all about how it sounds. And for me, I guess the piece of equipment I'd never get rid of are my Genelec monitors because I got them. I knew that was coming. I get, I, well, yeah, because I have my big monitors and I have some other speakers, and I like the way they sound better, but the Genelecs I can always go to with a new recording and determine exactly what it sounds like and figure everything out. you know. Yeah, and then I can terrific. take that and move on from there. Um, so... You know, if you don't know what the music sounds like, nothing else matters. You know, there's not an amplifier or a pair of tweeters yeah. going to help you if you don't know what, what it's supposed to sound like. So, True. you know, for me, it's it's a reference system. Yep. There you go. Chris, so I got that and, and the little Radio Shack mini amplifiers for troubleshooting. I've yep. got like six of them. Jeff knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Check that out. Look at that. All right. Now, let me tell you the story on this real quick, because I was in the oh, Texas shit. Air Guard. Okay, this won't take long. Oh, um, make it long. And I had talked long. to the wing commander beforehand. I said, hey, we're doing a photo shoot on my Forerunner, and I'd like to have it in front of the airplanes and get a picture of the truck with a C-130 in the background. So we did the photo shoot all day, get on base at 430, get the truck out there. Well, they have a shift change for the security police at 5 o'clock. So we're out there taking pictures of my forerunner in front of the C-130, and they came and arrested us because oh, we weren't no. supposed to be there. The, the people that came on a five didn't know we were supposed to be there. Wow. So they hauled us in and uh, took about an hour and a half to get the wing commander on on board to uh, get it straightened out. But uh, oh. yeah, yeah. So I was arre not arrested, arrested, but yeah, I was, he was detained. In the yeah, detained very shortly after that picture was taken. So. Wow. You weren't smiling then. No, not for a few minutes, no. Yeah. Chris, what about you, good sir? So this will be my last thing. My wife's informed me I have to go eat dinner because occasionally I do come home. Um, you know, <laughs> you Whatever. Know, I, I don't I don't know that there's a piece of equipment that I've ever kept that I I, I that I just have to have. You know, I agree with Mark. Um, you know, you know, I, I, and, I, and Scott's correct. You know, whatever's cool and whatever's hot is, uh, yeah, I know that that damn car won't leave. I'm stuck with it again. <laughs> so anyways, just when you thought over you're out, you pulled you back in. Oh, you back I, in. Know. I, I sold it and it's still in my shop. Anyways, but, uh, um, you know, the, you know, I, I very much subscribe to the, the the deal that there's nothing old that's as good as the stuff that's out now. And I think that Scott will agree, having known what he just got in and what I've had at my house for a few, quite a few months now, that, uh, you know, there's just so much phenomenal gear out there now that's, yeah. I think, so advanced that uh, technology has come a long way, especially you come to amplifier design and speaker design and um you know, there's just, 
I've got some great lunar amps that I collected. It cost me a bunch of money to buy people's collections to get three stupid amps. And I had them rebuilt by Kenny and they sound unbelievably good. I mean, I mean, they're, they've had everything done to make them phenomenal. And they're out of the they're three L 2200s. And, you know, I got that audio wave amp in that I just got in that uh, Scott just got some in as well. And I'll tell you right now that audio wave amp smokes those amps. It's not even <laughs> remotely close. And um, I've tested everything out there that's worth testing. And uh, I just, I don't get hung up on gear anymore. I used to be a big Macintosh head unit guy, but you know, there's just nothing that, uh, you know, everything that's, that's just phenomenal and new. You can just, I mean, there's just so many awesome options out there. I mean, you know, people look at the head units and head units like, Oh, we don't even need head units anymore. I mean, if you use an Astell and Kearns SB 2000 player, you know, and it's just like, you know, blows everything away. So I, I've never really gotten hung up on the gear thing. You know, I, there were times I like I believe that I had to have Macintosh head units and had to have this piece or that piece. But, you know, really, and truly, if there's anything that I, I seem like I can't get rid of, it's that damn Civic. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and like I, I sold it to him. And he's like, when you're here it is, you're gonna run it. I was like, oh god, great. That's like, oh, what it is. So, Next time you need a better at contract. At least I didn't have to really rebuild most of it this time. David re- David Cruz rebuilt most of it this time. I just had to chip in here. I just had to chip in at the end and get it over the finish line. Uh, no. <laughs> but, uh, Mr. Nick, all right, fellas, I gotta go eat dinner. I appreciate you talking about Chris. I'll see y'all real soon. So yeah, man. Right, have a good bye. one. Bye. Mr. Nick, what about you, good sir? Um, you know, there's a piece of equipment that I have, and then there's pieces of an equipment that I have. The equipment that I there's a piece that I won't get rid of. It's an Acom 4702. Um, yeah. I I just it's always just been one of those things that I've kept. Don't ask me why. I never built an install with it. It was sent to me by Adcom to evaluate, and uh, it never left the house. I thought it was really cool because it's the only car amp that I know of ever that had an external power supply, and then it had the output devices, and the output devices was 48 inches long. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, Mark, if you've never seen one, you ought to go tear into it and look at it if you ever get a chance. It's amazing. Was it a pass? Was that when Pass was doing? Yeah, that? it's it's it is a Nelson Pass Alef thirty. It's exactly what it was that he hot rodded, and then he designed a twelve volt power supply for it, and gave it an umbilical cord, and it was external. It was just computer and shit. Um, <clears throat> most impractical damn thing you ever seen in your life. It was stupid. <laughs> uh, but I have pieces of the periodic membranes out of my Mitsubishi that Mark built for me. Um, and don't ask it's a sentimental thing because I still love the sub bass in that car I've always thought it was some of the best sub bass I've ever heard and it's just like you know what when we tore it down and tore it apart I'm like I'm keeping this this is stupid sentimental shit I don't care this was this is always something that I've always thought yep this was way cool and um, yeah uh, other than that, no, I don't. I haven't kept anything but those those two things. Mr. Doug, 
Dr. Doug, what about you, good sir? So if you asked my wife, she'd say all of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, there's a uh, there's this this office is there's an attic attached to it that's uh, a, it's a I'd say it's a small attic. She'd say it's too large, but it's where all the audio equipment is. And I've got way too much of it, but I need to go through it. But you I but think? I, I think yeah, Nick's seen it. But so I ran in there, and actually, I'm, I'm going to do show and tell. The one thing I won't ever get rid of is my uh, TEF-20. Uh, um, not that I know if this too. even yeah, still yeah. works, but it, uh, it, it, it uh, does. You can use it. No, no, I understand that. But uh, the mm. uh, the ICs always like to come out, so you have to go in and reseed them because right. they're actually socketed <laughs> ICs on them. So right. if yours doesn't work, that's an issue. But there's other analyzers that I use now that, that do the same thing that – are a lot easier to use than a than a TEF twenty and, and DOS software, um, but uh, there's there's things that TEF will the TEF does that other analyzers still don't do. But the reason that one's sentimental for me is it it opened my eyes on how things worked. You know, when you start looking at things in the time domain and the frequency domain and understand how that goes together, then you got to learn a lot of other stuff to go along with that, and so. There's there's sentimental value attached to it from what I learned from it. Um, plus, it was really expensive, and back then I had to save up a ton of money to get it, and almost <laughs> broke myself. Yeah. And then I bought it, and that's like okay, now I got to keep saving to get a microphone. But I had it, you know, but I didn't have the microphone. So you know, it was it was uh, one of those things that that I that was a long goal to get, and uh, so I'll always keep that. Awesome. Hey, hey I got one more question. to bring up real oh. quick. Since we're all SQ guys here, um, remember Alma's Bronco when we did it with the kicker stuff and it had the 48 subwoofers in there? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've still got the delay that uh, Richard and his guys designed to delay all those subs to align them. Oh, the microphone. Really? I've still got that <laughs> delay. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, Doug, your wife is texting me. She's asking you to check your phone. <laughs> she wants me to tell everyone she said damn straight she was almost killed the last time she was in my attic <laughs> all right so I, I know we're i know we're starting to go along here but uh one last question i think i've interviewed all you guys but um uh, one that i want to ask here uh what was your favorite um, I guess social forum in car audio. What, what what has the most memories for you? I know we had the car sound forums. We had rec car audio back in the day. We had what 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 do you get into? Believe oh. car audio was mine. I missed that forum. I mean, there were some there were some yahoos on it, but ECA ECA <laughs> back in the day was the jam, man. It was a lot of fun. It really was. There was there was some great people on there, and then yeah, we had Yahoos on there that didn't know sheep shit for wild oats. But that can be said everywhere. I mean, I, well, I think yeah, but even more so. And and I don't have to tell you, you know, the four Yahoos I'm talking about right now, and I don't have to go there. <laughs> well, yeah, but everybody on, everybody on Facebook is a genius. So I mean, we got much better I don't now. Even go there right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh. -uh. But yeah, I agree. I agree, Randy. For me, that I agree. Yeah, it would have been car sound forums for me for sure. Yeah, yeah car sound for me also. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually funny when I uh 
when I used to go back and try to find out information, you know, like 2007, 2008, 2009, I used to go to the car sound forums and Mark, you had a sub forum there, I believe. Right. And I, yeah, I used to cruise that thing all the time, try to get information. A couple others had, Doug may have as well. I can't remember. It seemed like there was a couple other pretty big hitters had sub forums there that I used to go. Richard and, and Navoni had. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, I did. that was I pretty awesome. A lot. So I have, I have one quick, one quick question and I'll leave you guys alone. And it's really for for Eldridge and for for Scott. And I already probably know the answer, but I'm just interested to know if you had to choose. And I'll start with Mark. If you had to choose between uh, uh, to buy, let's just say you you no longer owned either the Forerunner, which obviously you don't own, and the NASCAR that you still own, but let's just say you didn't own either of them, and the opportunity, cash in hand, to go buy one or the other. Which one would it be? Oh, it'd be the cup car, hands down, in a heartbeat. Because, and this was a discussion that Richard and I were having many years ago, it's like in the mid-90s, late-90s maybe, about what would be the ultimate car to build for sound quality. And he made the statement, well, a NASCAR cup car. And I was like, that's a rattle trap. And he said, yeah, but there's nothing in it. There's a roll cage and outside body panels. And you can build everything else you want. You can put the speakers where you want. You can build the panels the way you want. You can do anything you want in that car. And that never left my brain. And then when I was at uh, CES um, 04 and talking to Todd Goodnight was serious. And he was giving me grief about the Forerunner. He said, man, when are you going to sell that Forerunner and build something else? And I looked at him. I said, when you sell me a cup car. And he said, hang on a minute. And he went over and talked to Roger Venewald, their their car guy, their show car guy, and came back a few minutes later and said, where do you want it shipped? And I was like, what? And a month <laughs> later, I had a cup car in my garage. And I had to pay for it, but uh, that's how I got that cup car. And I was like, yes! You know, so that's where it started, you know? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Scott, if you had a choice, same, same scenario, you sold Betty, no longer have it, and obviously, you don't have the white 240. If you had an opportunity to buy either car, which one would it be? Or, or the blue one. or And they're all the same car, by the way. But. <laughs> no, I, I, I yeah, there, there's no doubt that the black car kind of put the period at the end of the sentence for me. But if I had to do it all over again, I'd buy a house instead of that car. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer, Scott. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The white car is still my favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, Mark. I remember Mark's. Uh, well, quite a few guys on this <clears throat> on this call, but I remember having Mark's uh, Forerunner uh, on my wall. I remember having Scott's two forty on my wall. I remember having Smith's. It was at the Accord. I uh, on my wall. So yeah, yeah Randy had a very weird room. Just yeah, it was saying. weird. Yeah, instead of like pinup girls, he had pinup cars. What's a dude staring at me? You know, it was weird. Yeah. Did you have Aaron Hardison's uh, 2006 Honda Civic on your Absolutely. wall? Absolutely. You know <laughs> Sweet. Hey, I, I understand uh, Wilson had my forerunner on his wall. Yes, he did. Nice. He was throwing shit at it. I knew yeah. he was his name at it. Target practice. Yeah. All right, you know, guys. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm going to tell a real quick story. Doug was talking about 
judging and everybody knows that I, I split time between judging and competing because I love both. But I, I've got to tell this war story with Doug. Doug and I were chose asked by Mr. Feltenberger to judge a show at Texas Stadium. And I was there. Doug was there. Mark, you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Fontenot brought the Thunderbird out. And I'm not competing that day. And so James says, Nick, you're the expert here. You and Doug judge the expert cars. Okay. Sure. So we judged March, and it was great, and we loved it, and we scored it well. And Doug being Doug, goes, hang on, I've got a really good idea. Okay. So Doug goes and grabs additional score sheets. He comes back to the car, and I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, just shut up. Folds them up, puts them in his hand. We go and do the routine with Dale, and we get in the car, and Doug goes, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to judge the car accordingly, but then we're going to judge the car a different way. I went, okay, I'm all for this. Let's go. So, because anybody that knows Dale is like, he's dead serious about this crap. I don't care what. And we decided it's time that we should have a little fun. So we proceeded to score Mr. Fontenot's car and it is awful. I mean, it is terrible. And we are making remarks. Who in God's name tuned this? They are silly. <laughs> For the love of God. Oh, Jesus. Um, new one of them was, um, if I remember correctly, it was G-T-F-H, which I don't have to tell you what that means. Um, I mean, we just, I think he scored a 45, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and... <laughs> Do you remember the names we signed as judges, Doug? I don't know, Beavis and Butthead or something. All, all I Beavis know is Butthead. Yeah. Yeah. All I know and, is is we, we filled that out and then you know the pink sheet was on the back that the competitors all got, right? Well, we knew they were gonna hand out the competitor sheets before the <laughs> the things were done. So Dale goes up there and we they're handing out the pink sheets and Dale gets his pink score sheet. You should go home. This is a joke. Pick another hobby. Pick another hobby. Have you had your hearing checked lately? You know, all these wonderful, wonderful sentiments were, were handed back to Dale. You know, we made, you know, we, you know his, his other score sheet went through and he ended up doing doing quite well and the car sounded great, but he didn't see any humor in any of that. And and he was he was waiting for us, and he really wanted to talk. And then we said, Dale, Dale, you just want, you know, he won. Dale, you won. won. I don't care. Your comments are terrible. <laughs> well, well, but, but Dale, no, but you said I should pick a new hobby. <laughs> Dale, it was a joke. I don't find it funny at all. He was so deadpan upset. He didn't oh. see any of it as funny. Then he got no, his he real didn't. score sheet, and he still didn't find it funny. <laughs> he did. <laughs> But Nick and I had a blast with it. We did. We did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. oh, yeah. We'll have, we'll have to do this again sometime, guys. I know it's it's getting late for everybody, but uh, yeah. but we'll. I appreciate everybody taking their time to to hang out and do their thing and 
everybody who watched and participated and everything else. And uh, we'll definitely do this again sometime. Thanks for doing this, Clifton. Appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. Man, I miss all of you guys. You guys are awesome. Dig it. Man, it's really good all, to man. see everybody. Scott, good to see you, brother. You too, bro. Does anyone feel feel like this is like the Brady Bunch, like eight eight? <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, notice, sure. notice, I'm Alice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here to clean up y'all's mess, right? All's menial stuff. No you know, comment. I, yeah, uh, right. 